How long have you had these droids? About three or four seasons. Maybe at work? In the car? Wherever you are. Geocache Talk podcast is sponsored by FTF Magazine. FTF Magazine can be found at ftfgeocacher.com and by IB Geocaching Supplies. The best site for geocoins, cache containers, and much more can be found at ibgeocaching.com and by Cashly. Cashly is the foremost geocaching app and can be found at cashly.com. Please make sure and let these fine sponsors know that you appreciate their support of the show. Hey everyone, it's time for Geocache Talk. Whether you're at work, in the car, wherever you are, we hope you enjoy the show. Please give a like and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn Radio, or Google Play. You can get all the weekly Geocache Talk goodness. Big thanks to the Travel Bugs for the music and our patrons, Demon Hunter 2, Aggie Jedi Master, Electric Waterboy, Joshua the Geocaching Vlogger, Cashley, One Kind Word, Ravenclaw Tia, Shermanator 18, Butterfly Girl, Loon Trackers, The Aussie Geocacher, The Geo Gearheads, Sodak Zach, The Deadliest Cachers, Terrell 2, Neil Moore, Molly the Geocaching Dog, Team D&D, Geocaching Adam, Peachy 1276, The No Code Geocachers, Curiosity Girl, Tick Magnet, Marsipanic, Bricker John, Firesafe, Doc Firewoman, FS Abero, Geo Rick, Cash Attic Mel, Geocaching Janji, The Geocaching Junkie, Sir Drumalot, Janice, Tri Cassius, Tom Frey, Rugles, The Bruce Zero, EGK PBR, and Casamaya. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash geocache talk for more details. Patrons get path tags, coins, other geocaching swag during the year, as well as invites to special events only for patrons. Support levels start at as little as $3 a month. Well, let me start by welcoming, we have a big show tonight, so let me start by welcoming my co-host, Sydney. Hello, everyone. And Jesse. Good evening. And we're going to jump right into show 76 for November 19th as we welcome Stefan to the show. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. So good. To, we got the. We worked it out. We had a, we had a little. Uh, had to work out a little uh, uh, scheduling, but we got everything set and we're all good to go. We're going to do a little news first. So, uh, Stefan, you're you're willing. You're uh, uh, welcome to jump in on that too as we we go through some of these um, news items. Uh, first one is a podcast of hope. It's coming up uh, in a few weeks, and I just kind of wanted to highlight some of what we've got uh, coming up in that uh, time. Um, Daryl W4 is going to be back. He loves doing holiday gadgets. So we're going to have him back on the show doing holiday gadgets. We're going to talk the other games, the other games. So Sydney, we can talk about Pokemon go and Munzee and all that other good, all those other good games. Wallaby. We're going to talk about Wallaby. There's other games out there. There are, there's a few other ones, not many, but there's a few that are 
at least worth noting, I guess. Uh, we're going to have a vlogger roundtable. Very excited about the vlogger roundtable. We've got some great people on for that. But another new item this week that just came along is we got a word that Podcasher is going to be joining us for that night. And so very excited to have Sunny and Sandy join us for our jam-packed eight-hour extravaganza of uh, podcast. <laughs> we're raising money for St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital, and we're hoping to break at least what we did last year. I'm really, our goal this year is 2000. So everybody can join in. Uh, we'll keep a tote board and we'll kind of update it during the night. And um, that's, we're just going to go for eight straight hours. Just going to podcast away. But, and Gary's uh, going to stay live until we get $2,000, no matter how long it takes you, how many days. It's going to be him sitting there. Yeah. Just, <laughs> He's just going to sit there and whistle and sing for us. We're going to get right to 1999. Everybody's gonna just going to want to watch, just wait. <laughs> just want to just keep it, keep me sitting there and see if I fall asleep. Uh, that would be uh, a great video. <laughs> just Gary sleeping. That's just perfect. like, you know, three days. It's okay. Yeah. No, that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> um,. <laughs> All right. I don't know if y'all have heard. There are two souvenirs coming up. And, you know, I I think it's been a... Let's see. What was the last souvenir? Earthcash? Was that the last? Uh, mm-hmm. GIF. GIF? Oh, That's yeah. right. Um, but they're doing this. They did this a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it was two years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm sure somebody yeah. will correct me. But uh, they're doing the whole... Uh, Celebrate the new year, and they're going to give you a souvenir on the last day of the year, and then the next day they'll give you another souvenir. And, of course, Jesse, you know you cannot put – you can't have the same event that goes across the time frame, and you can't have back-to-back events and blah, 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 blah. So some, I know I asked. <laughs> some <laughs> limits apply. Uh, that statement there. was specifically for Jesse's <laughs> for Jesse. uh, questions. Oh, I've had events on New Year's Day Eve and New Year's Day before. You can't. No, yeah, but you can't have one like from eleven to eleven fifty nine, and then one from twelve oh one to one. Basically. What if I had one from eleven eleven fifty nine that was a regular event, and then a CEDO that started at twelve oh one? Ooh. I guess you'd have to take that up with your reviewer, Jesse. I'm sure you guys are on good terms, right? Yeah, I already know his answer, so it's okay. <laughs> which somebody speaking, else might need to try that. <laughs> which speaking of, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I want to give Jesse a chance to mention about his appeal because we were all wondering what happened to the appeal that Jesse made to G- GC uh, to to geocaching.com. So, what happened with the appeal, Jesse? Uh, I got to publish my challenge cache. So it was Ooh. great. Um, and there was appeal on a few basis of, uh, a few different things for the new challenge caches. And, uh, I love challenge caches and we've talked about them before, whatever, but I put in one. So there is a new one in my area now for 25 webcams. Go get it. If you're here. Sweet. Um, but, uh, it was neat. So it was a good process. And, you know, I talked to the reviewer and he said, here's how to do it. And, uh, I'd put in re- appeals before. But uh, mm-hmm. that's probably something we should talk about on an upcoming show. I don't know if, if everybody's mm-hmm. done that or not, but you had to appeal a decision, and it's, it's not like a court battle. You just say, here's what I think. and yeah. You present your side of the story. My favorite. Yeah. And then present- yeah, I didn't have to testify or anything like that. It was, it was a pretty clean <laughs> process. And sometimes they go both ways, right? We've had them, I've had them both ways. So yeah, um, it was a pretty good process, and it's uh, 
still got to put out my cash. They agreed. We, you know, put some supporting evidence in there and um, it didn't take too long. They actually got it back pretty quickly. So that was pretty good. And the process is on the, on G, uh, geocaching.com's website. So that's probably something we could go over in the mm-hmm. future for those that haven't done it. But yeah, I won. Woo. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I mean, I think it's, I think we've had, I think all of us, well, probably all of us have been around long for a while. No, but I mean, I've, I've considered it cause I was like, but I always felt like, am I going to like, is, is the reviewer going to be like, huh, well, you put, put that in. Well, then see how long it takes you to get a cash published from now on, buddy. <laughs> but said, so I guess if you didn't know your reviewer, yeah, that could be true, but I've talked to mine both in person and online and, He's understanding. He just said that according to the rules, I have to deny this at this time. And right, he even told me, "Here's how the process to do it." You know, so it yeah. wasn't like you know, ha ha, win, you lose. <laughs> it wasn't one of those things, you know. And yeah. I have to be like afraid to go to a cash and get jumped by the my reviewer or something. But um, no, it was a good process, and it's it's a good thing that you can do, and it's it's part of the it's part of the game. So yeah and um uh, i had never met the uh, reviewer i had for for many many years but you you actually met my reviewer when you were mm-hmm. down here at texas challenge so yeah. and that was the first time i'd met him so i think it was good that the reviewers are sort of coming out of the you know the woodwork and being uh allowed to be um accessed by by geocachers but all right, uh, this is it, folks. This is the last week. We're getting a little too close to the holidays, and um, we've talked about it enough. So here it is, last week, the coin. Although I sent one I sent one this week. Uh, I sent uh, to Finland. So hello, Finnish cashers. Glad you're, glad you're aboard. Anyway, there's the coin. It's $17 U.S., 23 international. And it's located at the bottom of the geocache geocachetalk.com website. So go uh, go buy you one. I'll still send them, but uh, we're not going to talk about it. Well, this is the last week. So, all right. And we have a new blog post. Sarah McClarkey is now um, now McClarkey. She's been married now for a little while, and um, she is our. Uh, guru of blogs and she handles all that for us and um, she just put out another one for us it's called 15 questions 15 questions with clappy and uh, if you're interested in doing a blog post on our website then there's a way uh, you can contact uh, Sarah and um, she'll help you she's the geocaching junkie by the way so um, get in touch with her and um, she'll work out the details with you for our blog. So, all right. Well, Stefan, we are, we're done with our news. We're jumping right into GC droid. So um, tell us a little bit about how, how did this whole thing come about with GC droid and what in what's the history? Where did this begin? Well, I guess it all started um, when we started geocaching and we initially started on an iPhone for about half a year and didn't really like all of that, got a GPS, but figured out caching with a phone is kind of convenient. And that was the time when we switched to Android phones. And I kind of just didn't really like any of the apps that were out there. 
or I kind of liked them all a little bit, but right. none of them had really everything that I liked. It was like, oh, it's kind of cool that works here. Something else works there. But none of the apps had really everything that I liked. Especially one of my favorite things is getting first to finds. So I thought, hey, I need an app that can give me quick access to first to find. So if I get my 20 emails of caches publishing in the area, usually you open every single one of them, check out where is it and figure out what's going on. And I thought, well, living in an area with crazy people that run for first to find at 3 a.m., it takes too long. And that's kind of like where I had the idea of, okay, that is something that I need. And that was actually the very first thing that GC Droid was able to do, which was get me a list of all unfound caches around me. That's awesome. So. Yeah. That's awesome that you did that. Uh, and I think everybody really, and everybody I've talked to, um, and even in our chat room have mentioned that they really love uh, your little FTF feature. It really is very convenient to, to have that. Um, and so, um, and the live API, um, I know that there's only, um, or the process of getting the live API from, from geocaching.com, was that difficult or, or how does that process kind of work? That part was actually rather easy. Um, okay. good. Unfortunately, or fortunately or unfortunately, they basically stopped giving out access for new people. So if you don't have an live API access right now, they're not going to issue any new credentials for that. Right. Um, Unfortunately, they kind of neglect that live API now a little bit. Um, since like the old geocaching app that they had right. was actually using the exact same live API. So they were kind of supporting that in a quite good way. Right. Now, at least on Android, I know they kind of redid their app completely, basically discontinued the old official app that they had, and they decided to not use their own live API anymore. So that's kind of how they are adding a whole bunch of features into their apps, which nobody else can do. So for example, they can add caches to bookmark lists and remove them. Oh, Nobody okay. else can do that because there is no public API to remove a cache. But I could add one, but I never could remove it. They, they, there is no live API access for that. Oh, but of course wow. they gave that to their own app. So it's kind of, Huh. Unfortunately, a little bit something which I wish they would put in a little bit more effort, but it, it was really easy getting access to it. So oh, that's I presented the idea of, hey, I want an app that can do this and that, and took a couple of days, and I, I had access to it. Okay. I guess we'll have to get them to to put some more effort into that. We got virtuals brought back recently, so we can probably get that done too. Our listeners are pretty loud, so. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that, that would be cool. <laughs> No. Um, so I have to ask because everybody knows I'm a, I'm the, the other side, the dark side, the uh, forbidden fruit, as somebody said. I'm a I'm an Apple person. So why only on Droid? That is actually a really good question. I, I think basically I love Android. I am not the biggest Apple fan anymore. I I, I had an, an iPhone at the very beginning. That was my first smartphone, but I kind of never liked how restrictive it is. And that's how I switched to to Android. And I think I just liked the way how I can create apps for Android. It uses the same language that I used to program since many, many, many years. 
and it would be completely different thing on iPhone. So it would be really starting from scratch, learning how they do things and literally rewriting the whole app. Because unfortunately there is no way of even having like one of the screens just work on an iPhone. It just wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole lot of effort. Do, do they so use different major project undertake? Tim. Yeah. Do, do they use different code? I mean, or is it like the code that you, cause you said you've got how many lines of code you said? Like... Uh, probably over a hundred thousand lines of code. So right. yeah, basically Android is Java based. So you write in Java, it then gets translated a whole bunch of times into something magic that runs on your phone. But the actual development is, is using Java and on for Apple, it's called. Right? Oh, I just forgot even what it's called. It's, it's basically a different language. Right. Mm -hmm. It does the same kind of thing. It'll crunch it together and take what you got and put it into the to the app itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, Dane in the um, chat room made a, a good comment, which was the fact that crossover apps like they almost never work very well. So, you know. Yes. Well, and Curiosity Girl said something too. She's apparently she uses iOS. She said she loves Cashly, but would like to be able to recommend a good app for her Android friends, which is a good point. I've thought about that before, and yep. I've never been able to, now with this information because I have friends that use both, and I can't recommend the apps that I use. But now I can recommend this, knowing yep. more about this. So that's a good. There's you know two sides of the war there. So right. And putting poor Stefan on the on the uh, on the hot seat today, uh, but. Um, I, I, as I mentioned before the show, I've had different people that I've talked to that use Android and they mention other things, but whenever they talk about GC droid stuff on, they love it. So that was like my motivation. And also, as I mentioned before, geo gearheads had you on. So, you know, you're, you gotta be a cool guy. You're on, you were on gearheads. So. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So I know less about these apps, but I've seen other people use them, um, and I know they work differently than the ones I've used on my phone. Uh, one of the things I understand is there's databases, right? And yes. you can switch. You have multiple databases. You can switch. You have quick switching between databases in this app, right? Yes. So, so basically, all your caches are basically grouped or sorted into different databases, which is kind of similar to, to GSEC since I started or I'm, I'm using GSEC on my computer and I kind of like the way how things were organized into different databases. Um, so I basically took that concept and um, decided to implement something similar. And uh, I kind of could share my screen. If yes. That's, that, that's, yes. Let's try and see if that works here. Yeah, take a minute while I'll highlight you, Stefan. Go ahead and bring that up. So I think it should be... Screen share. There you go. No. Yep. If it works. It works. You're on the you've you're front and center with uh with your app there. Cool. All right. So so basically it, like the speed, what people might see, it's it's not really too awesome since I'm basically sharing my screen from from my phone to my laptop through Wi-Fi. So there is kind of like a little bit of a lag sometimes, but um, it still should work quite nicely. So basically one of, one of the things that we mentioned is the databases and that's basically what you, what you can see here. So right now I just have a whole bunch of stuff to play with that I put on there. Um, so for example, I have one database that has 9,000 caches in it, but I also have a 
a little bit bigger one here from Michigan, 35,000 caches, almost wow. 500 megabyte. Wow. So if I try, oops, I can't use my mouse, obviously. So if I open that, it took about, I would say, maybe a second and a half, two seconds, and mm -hmm. it loaded a list of 35,000 caches, wow. which is kind of like one of the things which I also really didn't like about most of the other apps, that they were kind of rather on the slow side. Um, some of the apps, if you load 500 caches into a list, they kind of like start to really get slow and, and lag in speed. And here you can simply kind of like scroll through just the way you like. Right. And since you mentioned that quick switching of the databases, which is simply saying, okay, I want to get this database. So now I have a list of 100 different caches, uh, which you can quickly switch over to the map right? and uh, zoom around here. Very cool. So are those databases, do you have to put them on your phone or is it pulling info on its own? It, there's basically two things. So what I like, these are all offline databases. So okay. that's basically a list of things that I already have created. So they're either out of GSEC because you can basically take a GSEC database directly and throw it on your phone and just open that. Um, you could import a GPX file and create okay. a database out of that. Um, or you have the live mode, which is, or well, actually in addition to that, you have a couple of other ways on how you can get your data and like pocket queries, bookmark lists, all of that. Mm -hmm. So it basically really depends on what you want. If you want to have the live data or the, the offline data. Okay. So it, it, it basically does, does both. And yeah, so I basically just to answer the quick switching or kind of like switching between different databases. That was kind of like one of the main things that I also liked about it. And kind of going through our notes, there's a, a mention that this may be helpful for challenge caches. Can you kind of tell me how that would, how does that tie in? Well, actually, um, let's see if I have one of them. Well, I don't have one of them right now. So like one of my friends that there's, for example, a challenge here for 100 oldest caches in Michigan. So you could have a database that only has these caches that you, for example, would need for that challenge cache. So it kind of helps you while, while you're out and uh, you have your map open, you could quickly switch and say, oh, let's see what's in that database. And then you would say, oh, look around me, there is, there is none of the caches that I need. Uh -huh. So, and then you could switch back to whatever other database you have. And these, like you mentioned, these were coming from lists you've made beforehand, like on, like from GSAC then? Right. So either it's a direct export from GSAC or literally taking the database that you have in GSAC, the, mm -hmm. the DB3 file that you store there, you can just take that, put it into Dropbox or transfer it in any other way to your phone and directly open that database and it will load. So it basically is compatible with the format that GSAC uses. So, so is there really a limit to that? There is, there is no limit. Basically your phone is the limit. Um, you can have a, an unlimited number of databases and I have seen people using a database with over 50,000 caches in it and it loads just fine. And like I said, I have one right now here, which has 34,000 caches in total and it loads just fine. So mm -hmm. at least 34,000 is definitely not the limit. 
So what Before it comes over with that, is that just like a live one or is that, I mean, is it pictures and logs and everything or just basic information or what comes in that database? In that case, it has everything. So um, it has the whole description and it has some logs, like that database in that case, it's older and that's why it ends at 2016. So, but it has a whole bunch of logs, which you can go through. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see that. So yeah. it really has all the information that, that you need. Very cool. So unlimited number of databases. Just basically, you set it up ahead of time, and and you're good to go after that. Right. Exactly. And it looks like they loaded up pretty quickly too. So. Yeah, and that that's kind of like also one of the main things that I always try to pay attention to when I make any updates. For me, speed is important. I I don't like it if I have an app that I open and then it takes like thirty seconds, and then twelve caches show up, and then it does more work. I just want it to be fast and. Right. That was kind of like one of the main things where I put in a whole lot of effort in making sure that it's, it is really fast. So you mentioned Dropbox and GSAC. Uh, did you say it works with Project GC as well? Um, right now, there is not much of a link to Project GC. Um, basically, the only connection that, that we currently have is, let's open a cache, where you can click on, on any cacher name and you can pull up their Project GC profile. So it basically just redirects to that website. Hmm. But um, there is a couple of ideas that, that I have for right. integration with Project GC, and I'm in touch with, with the owner of Project GC. So we had a couple of ideas, and we just need to get working on, on a couple more cool things that we can do. Very cool. Well, nobody will be surprised about my next question. <laughs> Here it comes. How does this work with where I goes? Well, basically, uh, let's see if I find where I go. Um, what you can do is let's just filter out a whole bunch of things. Well, seems like there's a lot of benchmarks in there too. Let's see if we find a where I go. So basically, the only integration really that it does for where I goes is if you select the link for the download, which is here, it basically just offers you the apps that can play, which is standard, the where you go. That's kind of oh, like the standard Android cool. player. Mm -hmm. um, so it basically just redirects you. One of the reasons was that I thought there is already an app out there. It works fairly well. Um, every app has their little issues, but there is nothing really dramatic where I would say, oh my goodness, I need to make that way better. Because after all, it just plays to where I go that somebody else designed. And I can make, I, there's no way to make that any better or worse. So that's why I kind of decided to, to not really put in too much effort in integrating anything. Because I, I don't think there is, there is that much effort or benefit in, in, in having that actually. I think that's uh, geocaching.com's plan as well. They didn't want to put in much effort either. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe if we go. just... Just don't do anything. People just forget about it, and it'll just go away. Oh, don't say that. Why? Why would you say that? That's so mean. That's that's, that's thinking, Jesse. That's very hurtful. It, it I, is. I'm I like inside. where it goes. I'm just that's. <laughs> I've kind of given up hope that they're gonna do anything with it. But that's a good question, though. Yeah, I I think it'll come out after they re they make a new icon for challenge caches. But we'll move on. Um. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> just, just, I just want to stir that pot a little bit. I'll set it aside though. Um, 
So another question and one that other people may not care as much about, but I do. And I noticed a big difference between apps is when you're logging a cache, can you upload a photo in your log straight from the app? Yes, you should be able to do, to do that. Oops. Can you do more than one? You can do more than one picture, yes. Wow, winner. That's cool. I tell you. GC Droid, That's baby. so frustrating, yeah, when you can only load one photo at a time and you get to a really nice cache and you're like, well, I got a lot of neat photos I want to upload. Yeah, so, so basically, as soon as you enable that you want to submit it as a log, the picture button is enabled. Otherwise, if you do it as a field node, obviously, you cannot attach any pictures. But um, you could attach as many pictures like with that plus button as you want. So you... You could add more than one, definitely. I like that. Cause I, I think the pictures are one of the neatest things about doing logs when you're in a, a good area. So Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Especially nowadays. I mean, we're kind of past, I think, that point uh, where we're not – where we should be past that point, like Jesse's saying, where we're really integrating the whole experience into – I mean, mm. we don't want to spoil caches, but um, – you know, you're you're out, you know, geocaching, and I mean, you know, you need like seven selfies, and then <laughs> you know, well, maybe not that like that, but <laughs> okay, okay, know, maybe that's too much, a little maybe. too much, but but I like I like where you're going with that. I like the thought, but uh, um, so there's a um, there's a feature that some some people asked beforehand and I found out about uh, again, watching the watching you on the uh, gearheads, uh, which was the phone, a friend plugin, uh, a free plugin to GC droid. So mm-hmm. tell us about how this came about and what, what is the phone, a friend plugin? Yeah. So, so basically it, unfortunately, unfortunately it doesn't do any magic. If you're in an area where you don't know anyone, it's not going to randomly call these people up, which I wish that would be a really cool feature. <laughs> We've got a call. <laughs> unfortunately you have to have the cashier in your phone, obviously. Um, and you have to have them stored somehow with their caching name in their name. And you kind of have to pay attention to the spelling. So if you know somebody as whatever casher yeah. tom and you only save him as tom it's just not going to relate that that is the same person so it's not smart enough to figure out funny right. variations of that but if you really store them with the right name um let's see if i happen to have anyone well that one hasn't been logged so maybe an event isn't the right. best not a good not a good example maybe but but let's but, see yeah go ahead keep going yeah yeah so so basically if you have them in your Contact, you simply say look up contact, which in that case it says, mm, sorry, I couldn't find it because I just don't have that cacher stored. But that's kind of the, the idea that to works. simply make it easier so you don't have to switch to your phone, search the contacts, but it's simply just pull it up right away. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that because for me, um, there tends to be the same three or four guys or gals that I would call. Um, and so that that's really helpful. Um, yeah. We were um, so. I mean, I, I, I like that. I like that, that. That's very simple. And like you said, I don't have to like go hunt down some. You know, I have to leave the app, go somewhere else, go back to my phone, try to go through my list. If they're already in there, boom, I can hit it and I can get a call done. So I love it. 
I say put a random feature in there and it'd be like Tinder for geocaching. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just meet a random geocacher in the woods somewhere. That's right. right. Nothing hope, bad could ever happen there. Hopefully, the, <laughs> hopefully they can help you find the cache, right? <laughs> or you get murdered, whatever. You know, one either of, way, the two. you get results. It's, it's, it's a risk yeah. you have to take. It's, yeah, that's right. You do what you have to for an FTF, right? <laughs> yep. Um, so a big thing that a lot of people like to do, obviously, is puzzle caches. And um, so for most of the time, you obviously have to put in some sort of the regular coordinates. Um, how do you display those on your map? And can you, you know, change those coordinates in the app on the phone? Yeah, so one one thing that GC Droid basically did from the beginning is that you can modify the coordinates basically of any cache. So you can actually change the coordinates also for traditionals. If let's say somebody in a log writes, hey, coordinates are 50 feet to the east, you could actually change them and they will display even on geocaching.com with the corrected coordinates. Mm -hmm. So, but the way it works in the app is, let's say this cache, if I want to, so, or let's say I have it solved, you simply tap on the on the cache location, just say edit, and let's move okay. that to right. a different location and save it. So if we show that cache on the map, oh, you know, we I have see a whole now. bunch. But it basically shows this this little target thing. This is the original location, and I guess I moved it here as the actual okay. final. So it has that that little triangle symbol next to it that means corrected coordinates gotcha so they basically all move to the actual location where where they are once you change the coordinates and right yeah oh very cool perfect um we kind of talked about bookmark lists a little bit but um can you access bookmark lists or pocket queries that you've done like maybe on your computer from the app yeah so that's kind of like one of the other ways on how you can create a database is um let's go back out by simply importing new data so one option like you mentioned pocket queries i i ran one query earlier so it only has three caches in it but hey better than nothing mm -hmm. so it basically detects all the pocket queries that you had available for download and you just select it and specify what's the database where you want to have that so okay. Give it a name, and that's it. So this is now a new database that we just created, and it has the three caches in it um, that were in that pocket query. And Similar then you can take, sorry, you could take multiple pocket queries and put them all in the same database or multiple lists and all that kind of stuff? Yes, so you could basically select an existing database, and it, it will update that, um, or you can move it into a new one. Okay. And if you change your mind later, basically with the with the manage databases feature, it actually allows you to combine databases. So if I say this one and this one, I would like to have that combined. I can basically combine that these two and merge them into test. So now my test database at the very bottom has 19 caches because I combined them. Hmm. So you can also kind of like merge stuff together if you want to. Like okay, that. that's cool. I like yeah. that too. So um, then you had mentioned bookmark lists. Mm -hmm. So it will give you access to your own bookmark lists. So these are all bookmark lists that I have. 
works basically exact, exactly the same way. So you can download it and, and it creates a database. But what's, what's neat is that you have access to other people's bookmark lists. Oh, so, yeah. let's type. So now I can pull up somebody else's bookmark list and say, hey, I know they did these historic caches in Wayne County. I like to do them too. So I could now simply download this into a bookmark list and go from there. Awesome. I like that. So now yeah. I should have a historic okay. caches of Wayne County, cool. which I can open. And these are the caches that I pulled from a friend. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, uh, Stefan, because um, uh, sometimes we have a we have a little group that goes out together, and we're having a outing geocaching weekend thing uh, in a few weeks, and so. I know that I want to, I create a list of like caches that I think are going to be interesting, but then another guy in the group, he might grab a, uh, some other caches that are, he thinks are interesting that will still do it, but we're going to try to, you know, we want to combine them into one, one sort of big, big list. I like this idea because then we, you know, we hit the ones that I thought might be good. And if for whatever reason, you know, we need to go find somebody else's that he thinks these are right. good. We can go, we can just do all of those. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. So that's a nifty feature. I don't know. I don't think any other app allows you to do that. Yeah, that's kind of neat. I can see how that would be good, especially if you're planning a trip with multiple people, and then you know the other person wants to have the caches on their phone too. They don't have to create their own list. They can just go to your list and right pull it and put it on their phone. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. So let's get a little bit into logging. Um, uh, does your app allow you to submit your logs to geocaching.com via like field notes or drafts, whatever they're calling it these days? Yeah. So basically, whenever you create a log, you have you have two options. So, well, you have you have a whole bunch of options. So for convenience, since I, I like things to be easy and quick. Uh, by default, it gives you two options, which is a founded or a DNF as a field node slash now it's called draft. Mm -hmm. And basically all it does is it creates a an entry founded or DNF as a draft. So that's kind of like the quickest way to log something and then go back later and, and log it um, online. That's kind of like how I cache. I rarely log a real log on the go while I'm out in the field. And that's basically where that feature came from that I said, hey, I just need a very quick way of, of marking it as found. So mm -hmm. simply tap that, tap on found it, that's it. There is no further questions, no, hey, are you sure you want to log it? It just logs it as a draft. If you want to do more and say, well, that's kind of not enough, you can completely customize your log and say, well, I actually want to write a note or... Uh, maybe do a needs maintenance. You can define, check if you want to submit it as a log directly so that it goes live mm -hmm. or as a field node. Um, if you forgot it yesterday, you could go back in time and say, hey, I need to log it for the 14th because I, I forgot that. Oh, right. Um, if it's a, a founded, oops, yeah. you can give it favorites, you can add log trackables, pictures. All, all the usual stuff and and then submit that as a log directly 
So yeah, you basically have both choices. You can either write a real log immediately or you create a draft. Yeah, those are basically the options on anything, I believe. Um, I like that though, it's handy. So what I do is kind of similar to yours. I might, you know, just click, okay, I found it and um, maybe put in a couple words just saying, you know, something so I remember what happened. Um, but I also have a little a little blurb on all my logs. Uh, do you have like a template that you can save that would import for all of your, your logs on the app? Yeah, so that's one thing that you can do is um, you can basically create, for, for one, you can create your custom signature. So that's basically, that part is now on, on every log right now. That's kind of like the default signature that it comes with. You can customize that um, in any way and that would be part of, of every log that you create. That's basically, I, I think that really is what you were, what you were talking about. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like a, yeah, kind of like a signature at, at the end. In yeah. addition to that, you can also have templates. So for example, if, if you were like here in our area, it's common people go out, find, get a first to find and write in their found log only FTF more later. So you could create that as a template and basically save it under the name, for example, FTF. You could mark it that it gets submitted as a log and as your text, you can write whatever you feel like. So now if you save that, I could go back to any cache and um, it gives me now down here an option FTF as a log. So if I would tap on that, it would immediately submit that completely prefabricated log. Okay. So you can create as many of these templates as you want. So if you have something that you use often, you can definitely do that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I win. I got the FTF, something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you don't have to type that all the time. So. Right, but may, so in my case, um, I might have one for a first to find a separate log for maybe a, a DNF, generic DNF log or something right. like that. Or if, you know, I usually cache by myself or, you know, with my significant other. So maybe I could have one that says I was here with blah, blah, blah. And then the other one is something else. So that's, that's helpful. I like that you can have multiples. Yeah. And I know in GSAC, you can use, uh, things like it'll import uh, the cache name or the cache owner name and things like that. Are you able to do that in your app or no? Um, currently, it only supports two fields that you can import, which is currently only date and time. So okay. very minimalistics so far. Um, I was actually thinking about something like that, but I honestly never was a biggest fan of, let's say, mentioning the cache name and things like that. It it always felt like it's supposed to be more personalized, but then it still sounds so so fake that it doesn't really seem to be authentic that you mention like the cashier's name and the cache name and all of that. So mm -hmm. it, it kind of sounds prefabricated. At least most of the logs that I've read where it says, thank you, blah, 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 for placing <laughs> cash so-and-so. I'm like... Yeah. yeah, they didn't really write that. So <laughs> that's why I never put that in it. it. It didn't feel like something that I would enjoy too much. 
So, hey, hey, Stefan. Nowadays, uh, on my on logs for on my caches, I'll take I'll take anything like that. Nowadays, all I get is like a, I get an emoji now. I get like a heart or a thumbs up. That's all I get nowadays. So that's, that's true. A, but that's another show. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I know uh, a lot of people that are into that kind of thing. Um, the only thing I really like to do is I put what number find it is for me so that if I'm going back and just looking right. like, like for instance, when I was in Texas, I was trying to get to 1500. So I was looking at all my logs and it, it, everyone said what number it was. So I was like, okay, I only need two more. I only yeah. need this many more. So yeah, that's yeah. just one thing I do just for reference purposes, I suppose. Yeah, that's good. I like that. No, that that is definitely a good idea. And it's something that I kind of had in the app. And then I just wasn't really sure about how how do I manage to always have the perfect, accurate find count since people sometimes cache with different devices right so somebody maybe logs a cache only on their gps and then now the phone would be off by one things right. like that so i i kind of wasn't really sure what people would think about that and how they would like that to be handled that's why i basically disabled it, it it's basically present i i have that the the find count but I thought about the problems that it could run into if people don't use the app exclusively. Right. Yep. I understand. Plus, if you have maybe field notes saved on the website and then you have some logs saved on your phone and it might right. it's hard to keep track of everything sometimes. Right. It, it's kind of just tricky to say what is truly the accurate find count at that point in time. Is it really the fine count that I can get from the website or is there five pending field notes because there is an earth cache and somebody wants to write more about it? Mm -hmm. So it was just tricky. And I felt like there would be more complaints from other cachers than they would thank me for the feature just because the numbers are off all of a sudden because of that. Right. Yeah. You don't want to make a feature and then have it not work. Right. You'd rather, you'd rather make sure it works first before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Open that up. And if you're a terrible cache logger like me, there's probably about <laughs> 10 or 11 out there that you haven't even thought about logging yet that you got like three weeks ago. Right. But, you know. So it's I know Some people have like hundreds and hundreds that they but, haven't logged. Like they're yeah, years. I'm not that bad, but. Yeah. Um, Dane was mentioned. He's behind. He's in the, in the chat room mentioned. He's a little bit behind. But yeah, that's a. Uh, that's for, like I said, another. It's another show to to talk about about logging. I uh, I'm bad about, uh, and Sydney can attest to that. The fact that I'll put something on there and I completely forget. I want to go back and fix it. So mm -hmm. I'm bad. Yeah, I think I called you out on that once. You did. You said you said so. That was for Mingo, and it was you for said Mingo. more yeah, later. I was in a hurry. On a trip yeah. to Woodstock, more later. And then I, uh, it was like a year and a half later. I'm like, Gary, you never did. It. Yes. It's still later. It is later. It's true. I would fix yeah. it, but I'm glad she found that. It was like something as significant as Mingo, and I'm just putting, yeah, whatever. TFTC. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I did put, but I wanted to put more info, but, uh, but I didn't have the, you know, uh, it, it, I don't know if there's some way we could get it so it could like remind you, say, hey, you said you were going to put more information and it's now been, you know, five days. You need to go back and fix your fix your logs. I don't know. That's a that's for a whole other app to, that's to too help much trouble. with. Yes, yeah, right. too much trouble. Um, 
<laughs> I, uh, let me ask you, because uh, I find this, uh, this is another, sort of an area I find fascinating is about maps and um, the offline maps. And I know there's been um, a lot of discussion about um, maps and how they handle maps, if that's mm-hmm. the way to put it. But um, how did you decide to handle offline maps and, and um, uh, how do you do it for each country that you support? Yeah, so so basically, um, let's go here. Basically, the, the main thing was, like, initially I started out with only supporting live maps, and I never even thought about that I would like offline maps, because I thought, hey, why would I need offline maps? I'm like, I'm here, I have 4G LTE, I have <laughs> hundreds of megabyte download speed. I'm like, why would I need anything like that? And... I kept getting more and more emails from mainly actually people from Germany right. where they have data and everything, but everything is limited. Like here, oh, I have unlimited data in Germany. I have two gigabyte per month. Mm-hmm. So they try to conserve on that end, definitely. So that's kind of when I was looking for ways on how to implement and add offline maps. Right. And basically I'm, I'm using a standard format it's called MapsForge. It's kind of like a standard offline thing for Android, basically. Oh, okay. Um, very common format that many uh, many apps support. Um, there's a couple of other geocaching apps that support the same maps. So they could just load the maps that I have or I can load their maps. They're basically interchangeable now. So hmm. one thing that I think... I added as an as something that most other caching apps didn't really have necessarily is um, you can basically also add online maps from let's say any other random source. So um, right now it, it shows you Google Street, Google Sat, or Bing Street and Sat. Uh, I people from Finland email me and say, "Hey, we have these awesome online maps here in Finland. How can I integrate that?" And they basically were able to manually add that on their own. Oh, cool. Android. So ba- ba- basically what it, what it does in the background is it, it looks very cryptic, but mm. up there, that is basically the, the address that is used to load the little tiles of the map. Okay, and gotcha. So people that are into maps, they would understand that feature or that format and I basically just told them, hey, use a capital X, Y, and Z in the curly braces. Right. And they threw that in there. And now they have like maps from Finland and oh, very cool. whatnot. In addition, yeah. you have, like you mentioned, all the offline maps. What I'm doing there is I, like, I don't really have the server capacity to calculate all these maps on my own. So I'm basically just collecting free and open source available maps and basically just let's say aggregate them and combine them for people to download so the actual data that's behind it i by no means let's say create the maps right so that's why some of them are a little bit outdated like here africa apparently is from october um they are even a little bit older so it it really depends on when wherever i grab the files from whenever they update that okay and then you basically but, just overlay the the geocaching data then gets just just sort of overlaid on top of the map then. Right, exactly. Okay. So that's gotcha. kind of like 
a map that should have all Michigan and Wisconsin in it. Right. Oh, the one you're looking at so, now. The one we're looking at now. Yep. No, let's turn off that. So now you can kind of like see roughly that's kind of oh. like the data that's in that offline map. Exactly. That's so right. if and now if if I had Ohio, I could simply switch to the Ohio map or sure. Like. So you can have yeah, you can have whatever offline map. Right. So you basically can have like as many offline or online maps that you want, sure. and then you you can just simply switch between them. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, we just uh, last week we we uh, we were we talked to Crystal. She's in Finland, and uh, uh, we had a lot of um, people from Finland. Hello, Finland. Welcome. Uh, we had a lot of uh, people from Finland that have uh, watched that episode or have emailed me, and uh, so it's been it's been great to uh, to connect with another country. We have a lot of countries that uh, listen to the show and. Um, I think this will be great for them. GC Droid is something they can go get, and uh, we'll talk about how to go get it here uh, at the end of the show. But uh, another thing I think is cool, I want to, uh, before we get to some questions that we got uh, in email, but um, something that Jesse and I struggled with a little bit, uh, <laughs> if you remember, Jesse, uh, mm-hmm. we, we made it work. We made it work. We were at Texas Challenge, and we couldn't get the lab cache part to work. But, uh, uh from what I understand, uh, Stefan, you you have a way to connect lab caches in a in in a in at least in a usable format. So how how are how are you doing that? Yeah. So basically, um, on on the lab cache website, usually there is a link for the complete GPX file that has basically the coordinates for all the lab caches where you're supposed to play them or start initially. Right. So since it's a simple GPX file. I kind of like tweak GC Droid in a way to understand their special format since, of course, it doesn't have logs or sure. like ratings or stuff like that because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have a DT rating and, and, and yeah. other things. But I basically added it in a way that I understand their format so you can basically go to the lab caching website, whatever link they provide at the event, you click on the GPX and you basically just download the GPX and it just loads like a normal cache. It shows like with a little lab cache icon on your map. Right. You can't log it from there. So like it's basically the idea is whatever description they have, you can see it and it gives you the location. So it helps you to, let's say, navigate, mm-hmm. especially if there is five traditionals on the way. So you would see them and you can kind of like grab them while you walk there because right. you don't Obviously, you don't want to miss out on that. And then you would still go to the lab cache website and enter whatever magic keyword you found or whatever you have to do for it. Yeah, and I think that uh, some of the other apps that are out there, I think, have trouble because I think the lab cache GPX file is a little different, and I don't think they've they have. Um, accounted for the differences, I think, a little bit because it seemed like right. I've had. I think I've it seen is other absolutely apps different, and, and yeah. that's basically one thing that I basically explicitly account for, knowing that it is a different format, and I I just handle it and detect if it's a lab cache. Um, like on the main details page in GC Droid, it it will hide or yeah, it basically will just hide all the information that's not relevant, like okay. ratings or a hint or stuff like that, because it simply doesn't exist for lab caches. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, though, that you're able to, I mean, 
Mm-hmm. It's another great feature because, like you, like I mentioned, a lot, a lot of them don't account for that. So, um, right. so questions. We had some from Brylang. Um, he wanted to know when there would be a fix for the hide search that's not working. He says he keeps getting an error. Status code equals sixty-two. Uh, bookmark list. I think it's LDS or IDS. Uh, must have a valid value. Yeah, so unfortunately, geocaching.com is not very proactive in a communicating changes that they make to the API. Um, so they just randomly decided to change the public API that people use, and they now require a special field that wasn't required. Um, um, I have to admit, I already fixed that bug a long time ago, literally within a couple of days when they screwed it up basically right. uh, i just never really got around to publish the app so there is basically a version waiting to be released that fixes ooh. that issue ooh and and that and that there you go it's it's coming soon i i think i understand right yes yes oh. it will be released shortly sweet see just exclusively on geocache talk you get to find out about android and gc droids <laughs> new app, new update coming out so Hit the press tonight. Um, so another another question was uh, when composing log in logs in app the text the text widget doesn't automatically capitalize the first word of a sentence like all other Android apps do. Can this be fixed? Yes, um, <laughs> that is something which I have to admit I noticed it as well. I'm. I'm not actively doing anything to suppress it being capitalized. So I guess I I have to find out what's going on in the background, why it does not like to do that. But I I actually noticed the same thing. So that is something I will see if I can squeeze that in for the update before I release it. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah. I did. Brylang thought of it. I would never have thought of that because I don't think I'm that. uh, My app, my my, uh, grammar in my app, I remember my logs is probably not the greatest. So uh, anyway, uh, he also had a feature request to ask you about. Um, he wants uh, add. He wants to add in a tool to average coordinates, record them, and be able to share them so I can use the app to hide caches as well. And then remember the last used sharing tool. Well, that's a different question, I guess. I guess we'll start with the first part. Is there a way to do that to average the coordinates out and record them somewhere? Currently, it's not possible, but it is something that I heard from other people as well in the past. So that is something that I I thought about. Um, I just didn't really see the benefit of simply just averaging them because right. that seemed to be kind of boring. So I thought, hey, maybe averaging them and creating a cache page for it right away, but there is no official way to even just create a blank cache page simply with coordinates. Oh, um, so it's something that I was, I, I'm kind of thinking about what would be a good way at the end to really present it to the user. That's not just averaging coordinates, but um, I, I'll definitely keep that in mind and, uh-huh. and see what I can do about it. Right. One of the last thing he mentioned too is about, is there a way for it to keep track of the last sharing tool 
that you use so that if you're like using Dropbox that it knows the next time you come back it want that you'll it'll go back to Dropbox again. Is right. there a way it, to do that? Um to be honest, most of that is actually handled directly by the operating system, okay. directly by Android. So depending on the Android version, it actually will present you the last used method that you used to share. So on my phone, if I share something three times with person X as a text message, it will actually present a little picture of that person and text messaging as one of the options right as the first option. And then if I switch and send emails five times in a row, that right. icon will be replaced with an email. But that's actually handled directly by Android. So what what version of Android do you support, or what? Being an iOS user, I'm, I you know, hey, we all we're all geocachers here, right? We, we could all get we could all get along. But uh, I don't know anything about Android. I'm sorry. Uh, I do have an Android device. I just want to show. I'm just trying to learn how to use it. I got this next book, and so uh, what version of uh, Android uh, software is current, and then. What versions do you support? Well, the, the latest version is Android 8.0, um, which I just got a beta version on my phone. So I'm supporting that. So it, it is running on the latest and greatest that's available. And it basically goes down to um, Android 2.3.4. That's a weird version number. <laughs> it's, kind of weird. Uh, it's about, I would say, six years old. Um, so that's as far back as you can go right now. Okay. All right. Um, very cool. So you've mentioned the new version that might be coming out. Uh, and I, th I think we've got a few notes on what might be some new features in that version. Mm -hmm. um, maybe county borders. Yes. So that is one of the things that, oops. And of course I tried to use my mouse again and that doesn't work. <laughs> Um, that, that is basically one of the things that I just had added, which is county borders. It is only for, for the U.S. as of right now, because that's the only counties where I actually have data for. Mm -hmm. um, but it basically gives an overlay. Currently, oh, nice. I chose yeah. a great pink. And um, let's switch to Google Street, so we really have the whole country. Right. And it really gives you an overlay of all the, wow. of all the counties in the U.S., yeah, we're looking and at that, that definitely comes in handy for people that like to find a cache in every county, and then they try to just hop across the county line. So at least you roughly know where the county lines are. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and for, that's so useful when when you're out on the fly and you want to, or you're doing a road trip or something, and you don't want to load eight thousand caches on your way through somewhere, but you do want to grab counties as you're going through. That's right. extremely useful. It's better than having to try to switch back and forth between Google and then your app and like, oh, is this street in this new county or what are we doing here? Right. So that would be really exactly. cool. I like that. Yeah. Counties aren't uh, always well marked in the in, in the U.S. You're, you're like, what county am I in right now? I have no idea. Um, You, you can't even always trust the signs, right? Because right. sometimes yeah. things That's change. True. Yeah, you're right. right. Uh, what about... Is there going to be some functionality with Munzee? Yeah, so that is something that I, I started working almost two years ago, and um, I'm in touch with the with the guys from Munzee, so I have support for it right now. 
Um, so I basically could show Munzis on that map. I can capture them. Um, I'm still working out a couple of minor issues in terms of does it look pretty and how many of them do I load since for yeah. geocaching, there is the limit of the tenth of a mile and nothing else. For Munzies, that doesn't exist. So no. there are some places around here where literally on a one-by-one-mile area, you would have 3,000 Munzies. Right. And so I'm trying to figure out what makes sense on that even showing to the user because it definitely would become overkill if you have a map literally just completely filled with that. Yeah. But um, that is something that... I am working on. But, but for some people that go out and play more than one game, they, they would probably be interested in that. So, yeah. What's, what's very cool about that too, I think, Stefan, the fact that I think you're, I think you're it. I think you're the only app other than Munzee, other than the Munzee app. I think you, you're the only one right now uh, that has access to that. Uh, so yes, that, ha- hats off to you, Stefan. Cause I, that I, is, that is true. <laughs> God, that is true. And that, that's kind of like one of the things, like initially when I was in, in, in talks with them, they said, well, you get access to all of our data, but you're not allowed to capture them. I'm like, so you're telling me I can't basically log them. I'm like, what's the point of my app then showing them? <laughs> I'm like, people would hate my app if I tell them, yeah, you can go there. Right. Once you switch the to the app to take a picture of it. And I said, that's not going to work. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't even want to spend a minute on it if that's what we're doing because it just doesn't make any sense. Right. So we agreed on, yes, I will get access to to basically capturing them as well. That's cool. That is cool. So the next one is the one that I'm really excited about. Uh, you're working on something with benchmarks? Yes. So that is something. Let me switch to a database that actually has benchmarks. And with all the other stuff. Luckily, yeah. a friend of mine who created that database, they added benchmarks into it. Cool. So let's pull up a benchmark here. Which, so as you can see, there's already like less information that it shows at the top because there is no difficulty terrain placed on or any of that stuff. So same goes if, if you basically get the details for it. It doesn't really show much, right? It even doesn't have any logs right now. But if that benchmark exists, it should be able to download the logs from geocaching.com. So let's see if it does it. So it says it down, it loaded one log. So that one has really one log on geocaching.com. Right. Apparently nobody ever found it, so that one is kind of a boring one, I guess. Um, but FTF still up for grabs. You, but you at least right. know about it. And, and exactly. You would be able to get, or this one here just has a has a node. Um, it actually allows you to also log it as found, or you can even mark it as destroyed. So right. you can kind of like directly log the benchmark from here. We were talking about that before that the show, cool. right, Jesse? I, I mean, I don't know. There used to be an app, but it, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, this is... It disappeared. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I had so... it, and it pulled, somehow pulled it out of my phone through the app store and disappeared somewhere. Right. Um, uh-huh. I know that's that's a, one of the most exciting features for me because there's no good way to log benchmarks on the fly out yeah. in the field. And for the few of us that actually like doing benchmarks, um, they're a lot of they can be a lot of fun, but they're a real pain to log. And I'm not good about logging caches, and they're easy to log. So right. some way to do it with 
to be able to do it like that would be great. I I would go find a way to get this app on an old phone somewhere just for that feature alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is something that um, that basically is already supported. It also in older versions. So basically, that support is already released. Um, it's just not really communicated. And since you basically people would need to find a way to pull the initial benchmark data into a database, which means pull it somehow online using GSEC or something like that, since there is no API support for, for benchmarks. So I don't really have an easy way to directly pull them from GroundSpeak because they don't offer any way to collect the data to even know about them. Once you have them in a, data, in a, in a database, that part is, is supported since quite a while. We'll have to get our people on that too. So, all right, everybody, work on the API and the benchmarks. There you go. Right. Geocaching.com on top of it. <laughs> there you go. That would be really cool. So um, a question from the chat room. Have you ever looked at being able to bring in opencaching.us for their caches? To be honest, I never looked at it or thought about it. So far, I didn't really have plans to do it um since it i personally actually even never looked at their website so i I don't even know how well (laughs) adopted they are like are there really caches that are only on there or so i'm i'm really honest that i kind of ignored that part and for me it's like okay whatever grounds because that is all the geocaches that are there and no Mm -hmm. other website as of now it's pretty much how everybody treats it they have some really neat stuff there's just not a lot of it out there Right. Um, so, uh, is there a beta version somewhere that people could help test or anything that people can get involved? Yes. So, there is a link that I'm sure we can we can share somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we put it in the um, show notes, but I'll put it in the chat room yeah. as well. But it'll also be in the show notes for everybody who is driving and listening and they'd like to know how to be involved in that. It will be in the show notes. Go ahead, yeah, so basically, the, the way the beta versions work right now is um, there is a link. You can sign up. You will get an email. Um, in that email is a link to a separate app. Um, it's safe. Unfortunately, that app is not in the Play Store, which some people were like, oh, should I really trust all of that? And where does it come from? It's basically a company that now actually got bought by Google. So that company is now part of Google, and I'm sure things will change in the future, how how they handle things. But basically, they have an app that lets me publish beta versions, and then people get notifications through that app and simply can download it from there. So it's just an easy way for me to share it and get feedback. So it's also collecting information about crashes. So if I have a beta version and it it crashed on, on one phone, at least I get an information that was the problem or it crashed and, and that's the Android version, for example, that, that, that it was running on. That's why I chose to, to go that route. So people shouldn't be afraid of, oh, there is an app and it doesn't come from the App Store. It's absolutely safe. And like I said, that comp- the company itself is now part of Google. Okay. Cool. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of features and a lot of cool things coming up too. So. Very cool. And then the last thing I guess we'll mention again that uh, the cost is $4.99 uh, US, I assume. Is there a different price in other countries? 
Um, I think it's generally, let's say, four ninety nine, and then convert into whatever other countries have. So in Germany, it's it probably was like three ninety nine in euro or something. So I I kind of rounded it a little bit, but it's roughly the same price everywhere. Right. I mean, that's cheap. <laughs> that's very expensive. It's worth having. I mean, it really is. I mean, in you, so. Very, very cool. Go ahead, Jesse. Did you mention when the release date might be, roughly? Um, I don't have an official date. I'm hoping that maybe within the next two weeks that uh, I will be able to release that next version. Oh, very cool. That's soon. Okay. Yeah. Very, that's awesome. Um, I do want to mention we, we are going to do a giveaway and then I'm going to uh, come back to everybody and give everybody a last, some, some last thoughts, but I do want to mention our giveaway uh, for this week. Um, and it's for all users, which I've had some people who want to, you know, cause we give away stuff on the show a lot and we still, we always will, but this time we're going to give this option to everybody. So whether they're listening live, listening later or watching the YouTube later, uh, you have until Saturday, the 25th by midnight. And the question is, um, how many hours in the, is the podcast of hope? How long is that? And, um, uh, if you are selected, we'll send a prize your way. So, um, so how do they great. get us that information? Oh, they need to send us an email. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you think it would be helpful, wouldn't it, if I at least you know told people? Um, GeocacheTalk at gmail.com. Send your information. Uh, send your answer. And uh, I, if you win, of course, I'll send you back uh, an email wanting your shipping address. But uh, GeocacheTalk at gmail.com, and you will be entered to win a prize. And uh, so, uh, Sydney, we'll start with you. Um Last thoughts or any kind of any any final questions you had for Stefan? Um, well, I guess obviously uh, I don't have an Android phone uh, anymore. I used to, um, but at that time I was using what used to be the geocaching paid app or whatever it was, but now that's gone. So this sounds like a, a really great option for people that are on Android. Uh, like I said, I don't have one, so I... But uh, it sounds like a lot of great features, and that's something that I would use if I did have Android. Personal preference, I prefer iPhone. Yeah, but like we talked about earlier, what Curiosity Girl mentioned, I mean, we've got something now we can talk to people about because that whole thing, um, you know, uh, Nick doesn't have time to take Cashly and, and make an Android because it's a whole different, like, 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 uh, you know, Stefan was saying, and Stefan doesn't have time to write iOS, so we now have options. So, uh, Jesse, what are your last thoughts? Uh, one quick question. I'll give my final thoughts. The uh, Does being a beta tester, does that affect the normal app for people? No. So basically all, that, all they would get is they would just get the latest version that I release as a beta version. Um, mm -hmm. If it's too unstable, if they feel like, oh, now it crashes and something that they really need, they can always simply go back in and just install the official version that's currently in the Play Store. So they can always go back. Cool. So kind of like Sydney, I'm a I'm an iOS person. I you know I have all the all the fruity products. 
from the TV, the watch, the phone, you know, the, the pads, everything. Um, but, uh, there's some really cool features in this and it, it destroys me knowing that there's a whole way to play out there that I can't do it. But, and, you know, and some people use, uh, some people use Apple. Some people prefer Droid. And I've heard there's some crazy people that even use like GPSs to find what? geocaches out there. So what? there's a bunch of different ways. I, I know. I, I don't believe it either. But uh, uh, so I think it's cool. And even if, uh, you know, I'm never going to switch to, well, I can't say never. Uh, I, I'd actually like to find an old Droid somewhere just to go out and play with some of these other apps I don't get to have access to. But um, I, I like what one of the people said, you know, I'd like to be able to recommend droid apps to people too because there's a lot of you know mixed groups of people that come into it so very cool i was very excited to hear about this i was kind of worried thinking i'm not going to know anything that's going on <laughs> tonight but uh there's some really cool features in here that i haven't heard in some other apps out there so i'm very curious now so and it sounds like a couple people during the show downloaded the app from the chat room so cool yep very cool perfect yeah and yeah um as I mentioned before, um, I, I we've been uh, looking for the right person, the right app to have on, and that we as Geocache Talk can get behind. And um, you know, Stefan, we we're really excited about GC Droid, and so we are uh, we're on board. Uh, you know, Dane wants one of us to switch, <laughs> but. That's okay. We're we're all we're all geocaching friends here, and we may not be using the same uh, uh, versions of, of phones, but uh, we are uh, big supporters of GC Droid now, and uh, we're really happy that uh, you were able to come on with us. And looking forward to hearing more and have you on in the future. We'll talk some more uh, about GC Droid because it's it's fascinating to us as well to hear about things. So, um, so again. Uh, Thank you, Stefan, for being on tonight. Well, thank you for, for having me on the show. It definitely was a pleasure and always good to be able to talk about the app and share it with more people and get more people to try it. Um, I'm always happy to get more feedback, so people can always email me, um, go on Facebook, go to the GC Droid page there, and um, yeah, I'm very happy for feedback. Yeah, I was. That's a good a good segue to. That, is that the best uh, the best route for people to go? Do you feel is to go out to the? Because you have a good Facebook page, the GC Droid uh, Facebook page. Is that? Do you want people to go there and ask you ask you questions from there? Is that your is that your uh, best way? You feel like people can get in touch with you? Um, I, I guess it, it really depends. Like for me, either that or email is fine. I, I think if people feel like that others benefit from the answer, then I guess probably Facebook might be a good idea since other people can see my response to it. If they feel like it's more like a very unique personal issue that they have, where it's like, if I try X, Y, Z with my special cash, then that happens. Then maybe email might be the easier way. Right. And the email is support at gcdroid.com is that correct that is that is correct yes okay there you go perfect uh well coming up on the show next week we're going to have on dr polly he is a teacher he runs a geocaching club at his school and so we're very excited to have him on to talk about that and uh hear more about his program uh in two weeks we're doing one that's a viewer suggestion so 
hey, we listen. We listen to our viewers, and we're going to do a whole show that uh, was suggested to us about how we got hooked on geocaching and just the whole concept of, you know, getting involved in, in uh, how we have how we got hooked, and maybe that's how you got hooked on geocaching. So we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. And then in three weeks, we've got our uh, podcast of hope coming out uh, the uh, December 10th. And so that's going to be from 4 p.m. to midnight. So get ready for that one, folks. And uh, if you're like Sodak Zach, uh, he stayed on for all eight hours. So we're going to make sure we don't have any any issues this year where we had to do uh, the last hour in a separate podcast. So we're not going to we're going to fix all those ahead of time. So uh, we're really looking forward to that evening and uh, raising money for St. Jude's. It's a great cause and you'll hear more about it over the next couple of weeks. But uh, we hope you enjoy the show tonight, everyone. Uh, email us your comments at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at geocachetalk. I am at Gary Slinkard, one word. Jesse's at Memphis underscore Mafia. And Sydney is at Shermanator GC. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash talk. Show can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, as well as the Geocache Talk website. Don't forget to click click on the subscribe button below so you can see and hear the show on a weekly basis. And until next week, don't just talk about geocaching. Go get GC Droid and then go geocaching. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.